Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talos Takes. I am joined for the second week in a row by someone from Threat Interdiction and Intelligence, Lexi Descola. Thanks for coming on, Lexi. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, yeah, so as you mentioned, I'm a researcher on Talos's threat intelligence and interdiction team. So basically, I'm just responsible for looking at malicious activity and emerging trends uh, from a more strategic level, kind of in the context of the overall cyber threat landscape. So this week, we're going to be talking about uh, hacktivism. This is kind of the same deal as last week with data theft, extortion, and Jacob. I'm going to have a, a one-pager going out along with this that's linked in the show notes. And today, we're just going to kind of be giving an overview of hacktivism. And I, I bet when most people think of hacktivists, they probably think of like the people in Guy Fox masks, you know, like threatening to leak some bad person's information on Twitter or whatever. I feel like that's just kind of the stereotype that people have. But obviously, it's, it's way more than that particular stereotype. So can you kind of start by giving us an overview of what hacktivist groups' goals are most of the time? Definitely. So I think what you described is kind of what the threat looked like probably a decade or two ago. Um, but the landscape has really developed since then, especially as online activism and online political discourse has grown. We've seen hacktivist collectives become more organized and more focused on specific issues and really motivated to have an impact. Their goal most of the time is obviously to call attention to a certain cause. The main way in which they'll accomplish this is by disrupting a target they perceive is facilitating a certain injustice. So these disruptive attacks can include DDoS, website defacement, hacking release, geobombing, doxing, um, really any type of attack that's going to publicly impact the target. And this impact can include reputational damage, legal issues, negative media attention, or even sometimes threats of violence. And the biggest difference between these hacktivist groups and the quote-unquote traditional threat actors that we might be used to talking about is generally that they're not state-affiliated and aren't necessarily looking to make money, as you mentioned. They kind of have other for you know other motivations. So kind of besides that, what are some other major differences? Even though we have seen actually some hacktivist groups in recent years seek ways to monetize their efforts, they're definitely not primarily motivated by money, nor, as you said, are they working directly for a government entity. Another difference is that these groups are highly reactive to current events. So obviously, that's something we see to some degree on the state-sponsored side. The APTs will typically, um, you know, take more efforts to avoid attribution. You know, they're not as overt with their activity. While hacktivist groups often take to social media, they immediately advertise their activity. They share their opinions, and sometimes they even try to rally support um, to amplify their attacks. And then another difference is kind of more impactful, I think, given the nature of popular hacktivist attacks, such as, you know, hacking release or doxing, hacktivism can enable follow-on attacks, both within and outside of the cyber realm. So public release of a target's home address or personal photos or job location, this kind of information could lead to activity like swatting, uh, cyberbullying, or even, as I mentioned, physical threats of violence against a target or against their family member. So in this way, hacktivist attacks aren't always isolated instance, but sometimes they can be catalysts for more dangerous activity. When we're talking about like who potentially could be targeted by these groups, I feel like the scope is not necessarily the same as, you know, like when we talk about 
ransomware or spam or something where literally anyone could be a target. Sometimes these are, you know, highly targeted attacks or efforts from hacktivist groups. So do you kind of feel like that hacktivist groups are something that the average CISO needs to worry about? Where would you kind of like prioritize it on on the list of things that we need to be worrying about? Because obviously you can't think about everything all the time. Yeah, I think, as I said, it really is dependent upon the current climate. I mean, obviously, hacktivism is not as big of a threat as something like ransomware or an APT attack. I would just recommend to a CISO that they're knowledgeable about any hacktivist groups that have targeted other organizations in their sector. So, you know, for example, organizations in energy or agriculture verticals, they might be most interested in the TTPs that were used by environmentally motivated hacktivist groups. Whereas if you have an organization that's working in, you know, politics or journalism or academia, it might be most interested in learning about politically motivated groups, attack methodologies, and just keeping an eye on those specific groups. And then, as I mentioned, too, these groups tend to use social media like Twitter and Telegram to advertise or sometimes they'll even forewarn of their activity. So that's a tool that the CISOs can use, too, um, that provides good insight. And one of the places that hacktivists have been most active is in the Russia-Ukraine war. This is something that we outline in the one pager and have, we obviously, like Talos has been talking about this issue for a long time now. So what kinds of activities are we specifically seeing on both sides of this conflict? I feel like a lot of this has just been made public through reporting and social media posts. So we're not necessarily like breaking any news here, but I do think it's important to highlight the fact that like, as you mentioned, Hacktivism has become way more popular in the wake of Russia's invasion. Yeah, it's definitely ignited a huge revitalization of hacktivism. Obviously, you know, as has been made public and probably as most people could guess to the most common attack technique we've seen in this threat space has been DDoS attacks. Um, These have basically been unrelenting since the beginning of the war. But we've definitely seen more sophisticated attacks as well. We've seen targeting and penetration of critical infrastructure networks. We've seen hack and release operations involving classified information. We've seen a lot of manipulation of media sources. Besides the types of attacks, though, I think what's most interesting, just analyzing the activity that's been occurring, is the widespread targeting that we've seen. Because there's been such a large influx of threat actors flooding into this space recently, it's enabled them to really widen their targeting efforts. So what we've seen from Russian hacktivists, for example, is any country that expresses support for Ukraine or denounces Russia's actions or offers support to refugees, you know, that country will become a target. And any company within that country is really fair game too. We've seen anything from charitable foundations to book publishers to real estate companies, all these types of organizations targeted. And these are companies that may not have robust cyber defenses in place. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, Lexi, today to kind of give us an overview of this issue. Is there anything else that I missed about hacktivism or hacktivist groups in general that you feel like is important that I haven't asked you about already? I'll conclude by saying, and this is something I briefly mentioned earlier, but probably the most interesting trend for us to keep an eye on in this threat space is the monetization of hacktivist operations. Groups have started offering services like DDoS for Hire or Stressors and Booters, or even integrating extortion tactics into their efforts to increase pressure on targets. So as we were talking about CISOs before, given this kind of raises the financial stakes a bit um, for targeted companies, it's definitely something interesting to keep an eye on. 
All right, awesome. Well, thanks as always for your insight and uh, for taking some time out of your schedule to talk to me, Lexi. I'm sure we'll find something else to talk about in the future. I look forward to having you back. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, John.